1: Hello and welcome to The Situation Report, the show where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stalnecker, here with Chad Robichaux. And today we are discussing briefly <laughs> a deep issue, uh, one that is talked about often in political discourse here in the United States, and one that I think most of us listening will have at least thought of a little bit, and that is the issue of health care. Health care in the United States is one of perhaps the most debated political issues in the united states should there be more government oversight or less do we have a great system or one that needs an overhaul that needs a lot of work is there somewhere in the middle that we should be looking instead of to the two extremes what is it and where do we need to go uh, chad this can be uh, certainly an issue we all care about because we all need health care but one that we don't always know exactly where to look
2: no it's it's so confusing uh i mean we know it you know, we have, you know, we run an organization together that we have to have healthcare for ourselves and for our families and for all of our employees at Mighty Oaks Foundation. And, uh, you know, every year we have to go back and look at what our healthcare is going to be. Yeah. It's so expensive. Yeah. And so confusing. And, uh, and then, you know, with high premiums, you don't even know what you get
1: <laughs> right. covered
2: and uh, <laughs> right. what you can and can't. I mean, we need people to come. We, we definitely, I'm looking forward to this show because I want to learn more about, you know, healthcare in our country and what, what can be done in the future.
1: What's what's crazy about the healthcare conversation too is that it's so political. It's like a lot of things that are political. Yeah. It, it, it shouldn't be.
2: It shouldn't <laughs> um, be political because everybody needs insurance.
1: Everybody needs insurance. <laughs> everyone needs good healthcare. Everyone needs you know the things that we're talking about, and yet it's become kind of a right left issue, which is just so strange and so difficult to understand. Um, Thankfully, there are experts, there are people involved in this that can help us understand that. And today, we have a wonderful guest on. Eric Stoffers is with us to help break down this issue of healthcare in the United States. Eric is the founder of Bio Accelerator. He's the co-founder of Accelerate Biomedical Technologies, the CEO of Bioscience Americas, and chairman and trustee of Solutions for a Healthier World Foundation, which um, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to treating people suffering from devastating diseases through the most technologically advanced therapies. Eric, thank you so much in the midst of all of that <laughs> for taking a few minutes to be with us today. Really appreciate it. Of course, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Eric. we're going to jump into this topic, and it's a big topic, of course, but before we get into that, can you give us a, a little bit of your background and um, kind of how you got involved in in this work specifically?
3: yeah, it's important to point out, and I always like to preface anything that I say from a medical perspective, that I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. Right. <laughs> so that's important. You know, I, I'm a big part of the conversation because i'm a, I'm running a healthcare or life science company, right. um, but I, I don't have a medical background. Um, really, I'm a business guy. I, I'm, I was a real estate guy that um, you know, was really uh, understanding global trends and saw a real opportunity, a missed opportunity, honestly uh in the American healthcare system to proliferate the stem cell and regenerative medicine industry. So I, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh I I started Bioaccelerator uh to, to really help solve a problem that is happening all over the world, but right. certainly here in the US. Yeah.
0: It's great.
2: Eric, uh there are two very, very different opinions about healthcare in the United States and uh, that have really become consistent as part of a political debate. One, one end of the spectrum says that America has the best healthcare in the world, and the other side says that we need to socialize our healthcare in order to catch up with the rest of the world. Uh, are either of these correct, and, and are we looking to, uh, how can we debate this like, correctly? Yeah, you know, I
3: as, a, you know, as, a, as somebody that's leading a, a company and, and doesn't want to get too much into the minutia of politics – I will tell you that politics are involved here uh, when we're talking about the American healthcare system. Uh, unfortunately, great companies like mine, who are helping a lot of people, um, are having to move offshore, where there are more favorable regulations to get out alternative therapies. Yes. Um, and listen, I, I would agree with um, probably a lot of your audience that the and, and part of your point, Chad, is that um, you know the American healthcare system is considered to be the best in the world um, in some. In some scenarios, um, certainly surgery is incredible, and we 've perfected it in so many different areas um, and drugs are miracles and we, you know without both of those, we would be in a, a really bad place um, but that 's not everything there's yeah. so much more, and that 's what I think we need to focus on that 's what companies like mine are focusing on
2: particularly when you're talking about things like stem cell right I've, I know some stem cell therapies aren 't even allowed in the United States that people were i have friends I'm, you know aside from doing this i 'm an athlete and my body's broken up, and my body's broken up from the military. And stem cells a new thing, and a lot of my friends are going down to Panama and South America to get stem cell treatments because they can't get that type of treatment in the United States.
3: Yeah, exactly, and and that's uh, the bulk of our patients. You know, our our clinic is in Medellin, Colombia, and uh, the the majority of our patients come from North America, not South America. Yeah, well, uh, we are a global company. This is a, a trend that's happening all over the world, and so the U.S. Uh, isn't unique in their regulations. Most countries around the world are still focused on sick care versus health care and proactive care. And that, that's what I would say is the biggest uh, factor in, in uh, driving companies like ours offshore, at least from here in the U.S. We're a U.S.-based company. But, uh, you know, our medical system here is is not proactive, it's reactive. And so I would say that we need to be more preventative and personalized and proactive, you know, besides uh, really what's going on here in the U.S
2: yeah years ago i saw this documentary called the gerson miracle i'm not sure if you saw it but it's about a holistic cures to cancer and really the preventiveness and catching cancer early on and and i was like wow this is it like this is the cure to cancer and then i realized that it's not allowed those practices those uh those practices are not allowed in the u.s so people have to go down to tijuana to get to the gerson treatment for cancer and uh, the only thing that really is allowed here seems to be chemotherapy and and so yeah i think uh you know we, have, we do have great medicine, but my personal opinion is that you know, we regulate a lot of options. And I think there's a lot of, when it comes to politics, a lot of lobbyists and things like that have really blockaded uh, our ability to provide a holistic 100%. form of care to people in America.
3: 100%. I mean, there's millions and millions of dollars being spent on lobbyists um, you know, from some of the, the biggest companies in the world that um, you know, don't, don't want to see some of these al- other alternatives make it into the mainstream.
1: What, uh, other than money, what, what is the motivation for a lot of the regulations? It, it, and it is very interesting how we have to go offshore, as you mentioned, go to other countries to get some of these treatments. And here in the United States, there's a vigorous debate over socializing versus free markets, um, reforming versus doubling down on what we, what we have, and it's very confusing. I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding what the actual debate is about. If it's health care, then it should be pretty focused on providing uh, the care needed for our health. Uh, what what are the motivations? Again, other than money, there's certainly the financial motivation. We could talk about pharmaceuticals and those kind of things. But beyond that, from a political standpoint, what is the motivation to block therapies, to um, prevent technologies that are developing like the ones you're working on, and to to really make it more difficult for people to get the care that they need?
3: I like to see the best in people, so I I tend to think you know the way that I think, and and that it, from a humanitarian standpoint, there isn't a, a malicious intent in in not getting these therapies out there. Now I don't know if that's true or not. That's just the way that my mind works. Sure. Um, but really, I I look at this um, in the same the same lens that I would look at the FDA, and I, I kind of I start turning that question back around, maybe to your to you and your audience to answer, but what I do know is this. So like if I look at the FDA and that's where the, the bulk of our regulation comes from in the scientific uh, and regenerative medicine industry, um, that's where the roadblock is right now. And that's nothing against the FDA. Look, they've got their hands full with tons of tons of uh, projects coming at them. Uh, and especially in in light of you know pandemics. So uh, the FDA is a fantastic organization. They're here to help the American people. They do a fantastic job at that. Um, I'm not privy to what goes on in the you know inside the the boardroom of the the FDA and the internal sure. conversations yeah, sure. but what I do know is in the scientific community there is no debate there is no debate that regenerative medicine stem cell therapy is both safe and effective um so there there's you know politics doesn't even get into it with the science um but when you when you go back and look at what the F- FDA is able to do especially in the light of things like COVID-19 yeah they fast track vaccines. They also have fast tracked regenerative medicine clinical trials for great companies um, you know, that I, I am aware of or have scientific advisors that are a part of here in the United States. So we know they can do it. So the question for me turns back um, into more of, you know, not necessarily the politics, but just why not? Right. We know it's possible. So why are we not fast tracking some of these things that are helping dozens and dozens or hundreds of thousands of people right now?
1: I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible there are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live changing their legacies for eternity your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need again the website is mightyoaksprograms.org and i think that's that is the question that a lot of people are pondering coming out of COVID, this COVID-19 thing. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of us just believed, well, it just takes 15 years or 10 years to develop these, these treatments and these therapies. Now we see that as long as we're focused on it, uh, we can get it done. It's like building a house. It can take a year, uh, or it can take a lot less time. It depends on how focused you are on making it happen. And, and so why, you know, why is it, I, I'm not asking you, I guess, look at a crystal ball, but, um, What is it that prevents lawmakers from saying these therapies are safe, they're being used in other places, people here need them, but we're going to make sure they don't get them? (laughs) And and that's probably a very cynical way of looking at it, but um, is there something we can do to begin moving these things forward?
3: Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I mean, the, the short answer is yes. But what I see in my business on a day-to-day, um, day-to-day operation is, is uh, misinformation and lack of education. And this comes at the highest mm-hmm. levels. And uh, to, I think, Chad's point earlier is that you know a lot of us Americans think that we have the best medical system in the world. And I would argue for that in many, many cases. Um, and what I'm, the point I'm making here is that I think we have some of the best doctors in the world. Um, And those best doctors in the world here in the U.S., they're not stem cell scientists, most of them. And if they became the best at their specialty, it's probably because they were focusing on their specialty, not on going back and looking at stem cell, which was not even a thing really 20 years ago, um, maybe when they were in med school. And it's, it's not really taught in med school, um, you know, more than maybe one course because it's science, not medicine. So it's the combination of that science and medicine that Mm -hmm. has to come together. And right now the medicine, the doctors don't know enough about it and they're afraid to put their reputation on the line, um, and say, Hey, you know, maybe you should try it or, or don't come to my clinic, go to, you know, biocellular in Columbia, they might be able to help you. Um, so I I think education is a real big piece of this.
1: Yeah, that's good.
2: Um, on, an, on another side, apart from moving to a single-payer, government-subsidized uh, system of healthcare, what are some improvements that could be made to our system that would increase access to, you know, for all Americans to have the level, uh, a consistent level of care?
3: Yeah, I think this would go back to what I was mentioning earlier about being proactive and preventative and uh, personalized. But the proactive part is very important. We need to start early. We we need to start very early, not when you get into your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you start, you know, having that degeneration and aging mm. process start happening. Um, you know, start with getting some care early on, even when you're healthy. And that the biggest thing there, I think, is nutrition. And this goes back to education. You know, the the food. Look, I, I spend a lot of time outside of the United States, and there's a big difference when I hit the the U.S. shore. And I live here. I'm a I'm an American. Okay, but <laughs> there's a big difference in our food um, that is visible it's you can taste it immediately, and it's not taught early on
2: yeah, if you want to talk about lobbying uh get me and pull my string on that you talk about like the old food pyramid when we were kids uh, <laughs> they had that thing wrong uh and how all the food big major food companies paid for that that food pyramid and, yep. you know our, our generation was you know shoveling sugar and carbohydrates <laughs> down our throat, so I mean it yeah, that's uh I think America. I think you know, American, especially the, our youth, is just so naive to what a healthy diet is, and leads to, you know, leads to uh, unhealthy lifestyles, which requires many health problems later on down the road.
3: That would be my number one takeaway. If we can't start with nutrition and have that conversation first and early, then the rest of, you know, the rest of the the healthcare system is just trying to catch up.
1: Yeah. Eric, when you look at, um, so you know, you have, you say you spend a lot of time outside of the country and you see how other countries do things, and it it is interesting, you know, as Americans, we tend to think that everything we do is better than what everyone else, (laughs) what everyone else does. And uh, that's true in a lot of ways, but it's not true in every way. There are some things that are done much better in other places than they are here and I would imagine, as you have the opportunity to take a large look, kind of a, a you know much bigger look at different healthcare systems, you can say there's some things they do well there, and some things uh, we don't do so well. When you look at the American healthcare system, just broadly. What would you say are some of the more critical issues that either need to be addressed or as you look down the road, these are things we're going to have to deal with later on. Uh, it, it just really feels like so much of the ground underneath us is, is shifting as a culture. And I think even the way we talk about healthcare needs to change. What are some of those critical issues that need to be addressed in the days ahead?
3: I'll tell you something that I see on a daily basis. And you know when, I, when our patients are coming from the U.S. most of them are U.S. or or, uh, Australia even or Canada or wherever Uh, but the the point is is that uh, especially the patients here in the U.S. when they come to our clinic in South America in Colombia one of the first uh, first things it's not a complaint but it's something that almost everybody identifies that um, is seems to be foreign to our American patients is that our doctors stop and do a physical examination they have a conversation with the patient Mm -hmm. they spend quite a bit of time with the patient talking about medical history Um, not just reading the chart of course we look at the images and we look at all the medical history but um, it's it's almost discarding that information because some of those might have been misdiagnosis and some of them might have been fixed or some of them uh, it doesn't matter because they're in the past Um, so it's kind of starting fresh um, from a uh, individualized patient care perspective, I think that's something that we have stopped doing here in the United States. That's actually really important that doctor-patient yeah. relationship. Um, you know, we're kind of more of a number uh, in the hamster wheel at this point. So I think that's a big piece, something that I witness on a daily basis that mm-hmm. really seems to make a difference in the way that um, our doctors connect and and really get through to our patients.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I I grew up. Um because of the insurance that I had growing up, the medical insurance my parents had. Uh, we went to uh, Kaiser hospitals and Kaiser doctors, and you know, they're very, very large healthcare provider, of course, and I remember as a kid, it was kind of like you showed up and they told you which doctor you were gonna talk to that day, and uh, it was very much just a process. And now, having been a part of Kaiser as an adult, so much of that has changed, and it's a, it's a great change. You have a doctor assigned to you, it's very personal. Um, But that makes all the difference in the world, and I think even getting the right healthcare, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, Yeah, we just haven't done that well historically, I don't think. When you look at the um, healthcare technologies, this is what you're involved in you know, and really where you focused. When you look at the things that you're doing and the things that others are doing, what are some of the technologies that are coming along that maybe you're the most excited about, some things? you know, that are exciting to you, things that you enjoy talking about, and, you know, you look down the road and think, this is going to make a difference?
3: I think there's some very exciting uh, technologies in and around AI that are really going to help accelerate uh, the the medical, um, not just diagnoses, but also just the trajectory of people's health, Uh, again, if you start very early on. Um, and then there, there are also scientific technologies. Uh, you know, the CRISPR technology is incredible. I'm going to be selfish and, you know, highlight stem cell because of course, <laughs> I I do. Um, but, you know, some of the, the therapies in and around stem cell are incredible. And, and what I hear a lot of from U.S. doctors and doctors around the world is um, one of the first things they say is um, to their patients, even is they say, yeah, stem cell is great. And, you know, we, we know that it's safe, but it's the future of medicine. Uh, and really, what's happening is the future. The future is happening now. Yeah, right. Um, my company is helping people alleviate chronic pain and uh, autoimmune disease, um, uh, reduce you know uh, inflammation, and and help optimize uh, their health and immunity and even longevity. So there's really some incredible technologies in and around stem cell that have a long way to grow and that are going to keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of the technology is uh, incredible. Chad mentioned he's an athlete and. Um, we're around a lot of folks who are very, very <laughs> positive about stem cells and, and how all of that is, uh, is helping them in their longevity. I think it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to watch.
2: Um, I mean, I, I personally have taken, you know, I did the intravenous stem cell. I did PRP uh, in, in different, several different injuries in my body and you know, I've had tremendous results.
3: Amazing. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And keep, keep talking about that. <laughs> a lot of people, that, yeah, Not just for companies like mine. There's many, many other great companies. Uh, Panama is another, but um, yeah, please keep, keep talking about that because it's true. There's very positive results that are happening right now to a lot of patients. Yeah.
1: Eric, there's uh, so much more to talk about here. Um, what, uh, what do people need to do or where can people go to follow you to look at the work that you do? Um of particular interest to me is uh, solutions for a healthier world foundation that you're a part of. Where can people learn more about that and the work that you do and, and how to have even really access to it or learn learn about it from an education standpoint?
3: Yeah, you know, one of the things that we focus on, and I think that's how we came together, is, is really helping veterans. Um, and, and you'll see on our website at BioAccelerator or our YouTube channel or whatever our social media uh, handles are. Um, you'll see that we have a lot of professional athletes coming to us as well. Hmm. But what we like to focus on is uh, really helping the veteran community, uh, because you know vets and their families have sacrificed so much for our country and many others. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot of charity work as well, and that's where you're mentioning Solutions for a Healthier World Foundation. It's uh, SolutionsFound.org if you guys are interested. Um, but otherwise, my company BioAccelerator.com. Uh, you know, you can find a lot of
1: information from the medical side and also uh, what you can expect as a patient. That's awesome. Eric, thank you so much. Really uh, really appreciate your time. Um, uh, I would imagine we'll, uh, we'll come back around to this. I don't want to say circle back to it because we don't say that anymore, but we'll come back around to this at some I point in the future.
2: I can't say those words anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i uh, love to have you back on. But thank you, Eric. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Thanks, sir. Thank you. So appreciate Eric's perspective on this. Uh, Man, what a big issue. We could talk to Eric and other healthcare uh, professionals and providers, those who are involved in this world. We could spend hours talking about this and we've already talked about uh, having Eric back on and discussing this at a deeper level. So much to consider here. Uh, Some basics though, that we need to take away. So here, this is this week's Situation Report. Number 1, healthcare in the United States in many ways is the best in the world. There are things that need to be adu- need to be done, adjustments certainly that need to be made, but we have the best doctors and healthcare providers in the world. That's something we need to understand, something we need to be proud of and very thankful for. Uh, there's a second part to that though. This is the second aspect of this. There are technologies, there are therapies, there are medical advancements happening around the world that because of various reasons, because of reasons, are not available to people within the United States. And uh, Eric talked about some of these things. There are many others, of course. We have seen over the last year how these advancements can be pushed very quickly through the process of approval. And yet so many of them are not. So many treatments that are available for folks just are not available here, So we know that as well. So on one hand, we understand we have the best medical professionals in the world, and yet many of the treatments that are available now in places around the world are not available to people within the United States. The third part, and this is a point that Eric made, and it was a great point, one of the reasons these technologies, these healthcare technologies are not available is because many in the healthcare community view them as something that will happen in the future something that is developing something that eventually will be viable when as he mentioned these technologies are viable right now they're being used right now they're just not being used here in the United States and we need to take advantage of that. Uh, I think in all of that then we talk specifically about healthcare care and what can be done and the patient relationship with their health care provider. I think this will open up even these conversations, the opportunities to talk about those technologies that are coming, those advancements that are being made as a healthcare provider is able to match up those advancements, those technologies and those treatments with their patients. Again, a deep conversation, so much to discuss. Uh, This is one of those things that as an American, we're proud of what we have, (laughs) but we have to realistically acknowledge there are some issues and some things that need to be worked through. And hopefully as we continue, we'll be able to have those discussions as well. But for today, that is your situation report. Thank you for watching or listening. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next time.